Good morning. I think like when when uh, teachers get their attention from their students, they'll they'll do something like a call and response, and maybe this is the time for me to do that too. And so uh, he is risen. All right. Well, again, happy Easter. My name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be the lead pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, For those of you that are here, good morning. Uh, For those of you that are watching online uh, or coming back from your travels from your spring break and perhaps will be watching this sometime midweek, I just want to welcome you as well. Uh, And so, again, I know that uh, there, and I have friends and I have family that do this where they go to church about one, maybe two times a year, uh, Christmas and Easter. Uh, We call them Christers. But if that's you, hey, no shame. Uh, But I just wanted to say thank you for taking a risk on showing up. I know that going to church and showing up into this new community, uh, especially a a, a faith community uh, is, is challenging and it's scary. And so again, if you are new, if this, if this is your first time even in church in a long time, thank you for taking a risk this morning with us here at Bethany. And so uh, with that said, we will uh, go into our scripture. It, it is from the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Uh, And of course, it is the story of Jesus's resurrection. And and so today, on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the risen Christ. And and it's because of this risen Christ that we can have new life. And I want to unpack this story uh, probably for the first time or probably for the hundredth time for many of us. Uh, and it's a story that I love going back to over and over again. And so uh, we will be in Luke chapter 24. I will read a few verses uh, and we'll pray and we'll get to work. I'll, I'll say this, after service, uh, we'll all have an opportunity to go downstairs in our fellowship hall uh, and there'll be an Easter egg hunt for the kiddos. There'll be refreshments and treats and coffee in uh, a big photo booth. And so... Uh, We just want to encourage you to just spend a few minutes with us before you take off for your Sunday brunch or whatever it is uh, in community after our service. Uh, And so with that said, Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 1 through, let's say 6 today. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were so perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women that were there were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said, and really these are the angels, said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. Let's pray. God, thank you. We really, really thank you this morning for your life, your death, and your resurrection. And so we come before you at the foot of the cross to say we're so grateful that we can, this, that we can live this new life because you have died and rose again on our behalf. And so thank you that you defeated sin on the cross. You defeated evil on the cross so that we may experience everlasting life. 
May we remember that not just today on Easter Sunday, but every single day of our lives. And for those that are here that may not identify as being a follower of you uh, of Christianity, God, may this be a moment where you just speak silently to their hearts. That there might be a God that loves, that cares, that wants to bring them also into new life and everlasting life. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, several years ago, uh, my wife and I, we went on this family trip. Uh, and on this family trip, I'll never forget, we stopped by uh, I, I think it was a restaurant. I, I, I'm not sure, but the whole family, we, we got out of the car and we started walking to the, the restaurant. And, and this group was my wife, Maria, the, the one who played violin so beautifully. Uh, her dad and myself, we were walking into the restaurant and we, we, and we saw a tree from a distance. And we all were wondering, what kind of tree could that be? It was definitely a fruit tree. What kind of fruit tree was this? And her dad, being so kind, turned around and went to do some investigating and ran across the street to the tree and found out it was an apple tree. So he ran back to report, hey, guys, it's uh, no, no more curiosity. It is an apple tree. And immediately after he had just reported what he saw after running across the street, coming back and said it was an apple tree, Maria said, okay, I'll be right back, and runs to the tree again to find out for herself what kind of tree it was. And I remember looking at her dad and I said, she does this to you too? And she comes back, and she was like, yep, it was an apple tree, as if her dad was lying to her. And, she, and her dad had told me that, yes, uh, he, he, she does that. She's been doing that all her life. She's been doing that ever since a kid. There's something about the wonder that's in her that she has to, and maybe you can resonate with this, where she has to see the answer for herself where she has to experience it, not just hear about it or read about it, but actually experience herself. And so, and so for many of us, we know what that wonder feels like. We, we even know what wonder even looks like. If, if you have been around kids, and there's many kids this morning, the way that they get lost, the way that they wander, the way that they walk around, the way that they keep asking why, 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 the way that they uh, just, you know, get into things because of this curiosity, because of this wonder. And, and, and I would imagine we also know that this wonder, even from being a child all the way to adulthood, does not go away. It's just that our wondering looks a little bit differently. And maybe many of us, we've wondered about many things in our lives. And we, and we put those into, into forms of questions. What will my next career be? Some of you are wondering what the next move in life will be. Will I be staying in Seattle? Will I be moving? Will I have a new job? Well, I, I wonder what's going on with my relationships. Am I ready to take the next move? Is the next move to actually end things? Is the next move to move forward into something more intimate and deeper? Is it more meaningful? It, I don't know, but we wonder. 
Maybe it's in my finances. Maybe it's in uh, questions of existential questions like who am I? What is my purpose? Regardless of what it is, from a little child to the day we die, we will always have wonder in our hearts. And I don't believe that these questions of wonder that we ask ourselves are isolated uh, questions in different compartments, uh, like, hey, w- will I be wealthy? Will I, uh, you know, have upward mobility? Will I have status? Again, will I have, you know, certain kinds of relationships? These wonders that we have, they aren't separated or isolated wonderings that we have in our lives. As a matter of fact, all of the things that we wonder about, especially in life's most pressing questions, as a family, as a community, as individuals, there is something more deeply rooted that has a common thread throughout each and every one of our questions, our curiosity, of our wondering. There's an underlining yearning that's going on. It's a deep longing and searching for peace. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. And many of us, we've experienced trouble and we wonder but jesus i have come to bring peace so take heart i have come to overcome the world you see the peace that jesus is speaking of it's not just this peace that's an absence of conflict that that couldn't be the case because jesus never really avoided conflict but it's this holistic understanding what the hebrew word describes as shalom Uh, I know that uh, the word shalom is hard to define, especially in the English vocabulary, but the word shalom, we may not be able to define it, but many of us, we've experienced it. We've felt it. If you've ever felt harmony in your life from head to toe, inside and out, you've experienced shalom. If you've ever experienced a sense of fulfillment and gratitude and fullness, you've experienced Shalom. If you've experienced contentment that no matter what's happening in the world, and, and really all you have to do is watch the news, all you have to do is read headlines, all you have to do is scroll through social media, and even in the midst of all the chaos and the despair in the world, if we're able to step back and say, you know what, in the midst of all of that, I am content, then you've experienced shalom. If you've ever felt joy that's everlasting, if you ever just felt being alive, if, if, you, if you ever felt just being alive, you've felt peace, this shalom that Jesus is talking about, the very peace that Jesus says, in a world where there's a lot of trouble, I give you this shalom, this peace. And again, I would argue that to be human is to wonder, and to wonder, again, is to search, whether we know it or not, is to search for the shalom that Jesus is speaking of. It's a natural human instinct that longs to be satisfied. Hence, we spend most of our time and energy trying to satisfy that wonder, and I would argue many times, in in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places. In our passage today in Luke chapter 24, 
uh, it alludes to this idea of wonder. Let me just reread a couple things. In, in chapter 24, verse 4 through 6, it says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. The women went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men, these angels stood beside them, and in their fright, again, they bowed down, faces to the ground, and the men said, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? I love that part. The angels say to the women who were there at the tomb to, uh, to honor the body of Jesus after he was crucified, the angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. You see, this is three days after Jesus was crucified. And again, a group of women, it says Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary of mother of James, and other women want to put spices on Jesus' body. This is a burial practice to honor the dead. And they realize, they see the open tomb, and they realize that Jesus is gone. And the angel said, what are you doing? What are you doing looking for the living? Jesus is alive. Jesus is the living. You are looking for someone who is alive amongst an area, a space, this tomb where only dead things are. You're looking for somebody who is alive and you came to the wrong place. And as you look, as I look, as we look to quench the question of wonder, essentially the question of where, where do I find peace? How do I find peace? Where is my shalom? The question that is imposed here in Luke is, are we looking for peace, for shalom amongst the dead? Meaning, are we looking for peace at ultimately doesn't bring life, but in fact leads to disappointment. Again, in our search for upward mobility, in our search for status, in the search for relationships, in our search for possessions and wealth and whatever it is, are those the very things that you actually find peace in, or does it lead to further disappointment? in exhaustion and this unending cycle of searching and finding and being disappointed. Searching and finding and being disappointed. Searching, finding, and dis being disappointed. And so the question arises, are you looking in the wrong places? Like when Mary and the women came to the tomb, he's saying, you're looking for life and life everlasting, but you're, you came to the wrong place because you, you came to a grave where things are dead. Jesus isn't here. And so many of us, myself included, in our search for peace and life and joy and fulfillment, we go to the things that doesn't bring us life, but instead bring us death. We're looking into the wrong places. Peace, shalom can be found. But many times we find it in the wrong places. I had a former college friend who after graduation, the circle of friends, many of us, we, we looked at him and, and we, we, we saw him as the guy who made it after college, who had everything. He had uh, a new job where his father was the CEO of the financial firm, and so he was automatically placed into higher ranks, making a lot of money, 
He drove a fancy car. He was our first friend that bought a house, and not just any house, but a nice, a nice big house. He surrounded himself with, with beautiful people. And, and people think I'm exaggerating when I say this, but the, maybe it was a year or two after he graduated, he was a legitimate contestant on The Bachelorette. This is the kind of life that he lived. And so after several years, we hadn't seen each other uh, for a long time. Uh, he knew that I was in ministry. I was a youth pastor at the time, and someone like him does not hang out with a, a youth pastor like me. Uh, but we played in this annual turkey bowl. It was a, uh, f- uh, a f- football game that where our friends just kind of came together. And I remember seeing him after several years, and, and I remember just saying, man, how are you doing? And, and he knew I was in ministry, and maybe this is... Uh, a, a way for him to open up, and I'll just say this, like when I tell people I'm a pastor, it, it tends to be like an immediate sense of like confession. Like, here, well, here's why I've been to church, or here's why I did this or that. So it either goes that way, or I get on a plane, and I immediately just say, hey, I'm a pastor, because I know that they will not talk to me for the rest of the flight. And, and, and so I said, you know, he knows I'm a pastor, so he's just saying like, friends, there's something going on in my life. And, and I'll never forget this. He says, I literally fall, I, I, I lay in bed and I just stay up all night, just wrestling, not being able to fall asleep. And he says, it's almost, it's so ironic because while all of myself and friendships, we think this person has everything, his exact words were, it feels like I'm missing something. And I'm like, well, you, you have everything. You have the vehicle. You have the, the, the fancy house. You have, you know, relationships, many relationships. You were on The Bachelor, for goodness sakes. Like, you have everything. And yet here he is saying, I am missing something. And many of us have felt this too, no matter what kind of possessions or the things or the people you surround yourself with. Whether you're even a Christian or someone who doesn't identify with any faith expression at all, many of us, myself included, have experienced this sense of hopelessness, like something is missing. And I would say that maybe it's time for us to consider or to reconsider the promises of Jesus. And, and I want to say this, the real Jesus, not the Jesus that is intertwined with, with all these different political affiliations, not the Jesus that is used by people to justify hatred and violence and racism and, and prejudice, not the Jesus that is used to propagate division and exclusion, not the Jesus who is used to shame and judge and condemn others, but the real Jesus the one who promises those who are thirsty for shalom that they will never thirst again. The Jesus who promises to give new life, not just new life, but life to its abundance, a life that is thriving, filled with joy, filled with purpose, filled with fulfillment, the kind of life that differentiates between being fully alive and just breathing. Some of us here, we're just breathing. And Jesus saying, I want to give you not just a life where you're just breathing, but a life where you are thriving. The Jesus who disrupts. Did you know that Jesus was oftentimes a disruptor? 
That's a whole sermon for itself. But Jesus was a disruptor who turned tables, who spoke against uh, evil and injustices, the one who promises uh, everlasting life and life that will never end so that we too, as Jesus did, would resurrect from the dead. This is the Jesus that we need, the Jesus that we all should consider, the Jesus where, where this philosopher named Pascal says this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in every heart and every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but by, by only by God the creator may know through Jesus Christ. Many of us, all of us, we have a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts that can only be filled with God the creator may known through Jesus. And the good news, my friends, is that this peace and shalom of God becomes a cure for our wonder. And it's available for everybody. In Luke chapter 24, it says this, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. I love this part. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary of mother of James, and others with them that told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seem to them like nonsense. I want to end with this. What I want you to notice is that it was a group of women that went to the tomb. There they got the message from the angels about Jesus' resurrection. Jim Wallace, a theologian and the founder of uh, Sojourner's Magazine and now website, he says this, in so many of the gospel stories that are familiar to us, women were behind the scenes, always there, always present, always faithful, but nearly always in the background and hardly ever mentioned by the men in the stories and certainly not the ones writing the stories. But God chose to reveal the miracles of Jesus' resurrection first to women. They were then told to report the astonishing news of the empty tomb to the men. And I love this part. While the men were in hiding because they were afraid that they too might be crucified or arrested, while the men were hiding, the women delivered the greatest news the world has ever known. The women took the risk to honor Jesus. They could easily have assumed that that they too would be killed or arrested. They had a lot to fear, and yet in their fear, they went to the tomb. In Mark 16, they wondered amongst themselves, how are we going to roll this tomb away? Tradition has it says that it took 20 Roman soldiers to move the tomb. And yet in their curiosity, in their wondering, they went to the tomb. In a patriarchal system that they lived in where nobody would believe them and, and people probably, and they probably wondered, would anyone take us seriously? Would anyone believe me when we say this good news? And even in their wondering, they went to the tomb. The bottom line is in their wondering, they went to the tomb. And maybe it's time for many of us to acknowledge that we have been going to the wrong places for peace, for life, to thrive. And maybe it's time to go to the tomb, go to Jesus. Maybe what we've been doing hasn't been working. You're exhausted, you're discouraged. Again, you're feeling just hopeless this morning because of, the, uh, because of us going 
to where things are dead rather than to the one who is alive, which is Jesus. And as I invite the worship team back up to lead us into a time of reflection, may we believe, may we have faith that because Jesus died and rose again, we can experience the fullness of life. And may we choose that fullness of life. May we know that Jesus died on our behalf to defeat and to conquer sin and death and the evil one that consistently lies to us, that tells us that we can find life and true fulfillment and joy in all the wrong places. And may this morning be a day that we choose differently and we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to the resurrection. We say no to the lies. And we go and we, just like the women in the story, we go to Jesus. We go find Jesus and Jesus is there with good news that you too can have everlasting life. And so as we end this sermon, as we enter into a time of worship, we have these prayer books. And and if you feel so compelled to walk forward and to write down a prayer, maybe it's naming and confessing a place that you don't want to be. God, I've relied too much on my wealth God, I've relied too much on things and status, and I know that that is not where I find the living. Maybe it's a time of confession, or maybe it's a time of hope. God, may this day forward be a time where I give my life to you fully. Because of your life, death, and resurrection on the cross, I can experience new life. God, I want new life. Or maybe it's something else. But may this morning, May we find life and fullness and shalom, not amongst the dead, but the one who is risen, Jesus Christ. He has risen. He has risen. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have risen, you have risen indeed. And because you have risen, we can experience the fullness and the newness of life and this peace that you offer that is unquenchable. That in the midst of life and the chaos and the despair, that this peace that you give us through your son and his life and death and resurrection, we're so thankful for that. And may we name the ways that we have failed and may we receive your grace, your forgiveness, and may we move forward with your son, Jesus. God, many of us, were exhausted. We're exhausted from trying to find life and peace in all the wrong places. Though good places, all the wrong places for the ultimate shalom. Help us to go to you and you alone. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's continue in worship.